0: Well, welcome back to From the Field. If this is your first time joining us, my name is Ryan Hughley, and I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of
1: Teleo, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I serve as the executive pastor of Ridgeline Church, and I'm also the president of MyXP, a ministry providing remote executive pastor support to churches. From the Field is a podcast for pastors and ministry leaders where we discuss all things ministry related from the vantage point of both a lead pastor and an executive pastor.
0: And as anyone knows who's been uh, listening to the podcast for the last couple of months, we're currently focused, like everyone else, on what it looks like to practice pastoral ministry in the midst of this current context of COVID-19. But as the country begins to reopen in places like here in Salt Lake City, where our restrictions are starting to loosen, lots of us are starting to think again about ministry after this pandemic. So today, what we want to talk about is what we believe will most likely be the pandemic after the pandemic. And I'm not talking about another outbreak of the Coronavirus, I'm talking about what will most likely be the massive amount of mental health issues that these last few months have triggered for a majority, if not for all of the population to some degree. So we've certainly seen this in our own church based on conversations and meetings and even prayer requests that we see come in every single week. No. But more more specifically, we've seen this even just in our
1: own lives personally. So before we jump in uh, to how we can begin thinking and preparing and shepherding our churches through these issues, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's been hard about this for both of us. So Ryan, how in the last few months has it been hard for you both personally and emotionally?
0: I think the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is you and I, you'll talk about this in a minute, I'm sure, but we're, we're both on the more introverted mm. end of the spectrum. Um, and sometimes people think, if you're introverted, you're like relationally inept and Mm -hmm. like incapable of caring about people or wanting to be around people. And that's not true. It's just about what fills your tank. And so I tend to be relatively low need, uh, relationally. And like, I don't need to be with people constantly to like have that tank filled. I like to have time where, so I think that what has been tough for me is has been, Seeing the degree to which the connections that I do have throughout the week are so unbelievably vital because mm-hmm. I think the misnomer that people had coming into this is like, if you are an introvert, you are going to like crush coronavirus and being quarantined like it's like you're going to be living your best life now sure and the truth is every introvert that we've interacted with has been slowly dying on the vine sure because that's not what it like that's not what introverts want which is just to be locked in their apartment with their 70 cats all day long sure um so for me i think the hardest thing has been the elimination of those really key touch points that I have with people throughout the week. And it's Mm -hmm. left me feeling, uh, lonely at times, even being married and having kids. I think that provides obviously a distraction having three young kids to chase around and still ministry responsibilities, but it's definitely been way more difficult than what I anticipated it would be. So you come at it from a different vantage point and that you're not married. So like, what's it been like for you being a single person living at home, Alone over these last few months, like what's what's been hard for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in general, um, it for sure has accentuated that isolation. I think not being able to go out to stores or things like that. Like I enjoy going to the movies. Uh, I enjoy, you know, especially on my day off. I enjoy. Uh, at some point, um, I'm sure we'll feature a whole series of episodes on my love of Costco. And um, everyone's looking forward to those. Oh, yeah, for sure. Everyone. Uh, however, like even on my days off, sometimes I like to go and just kind of roam around Costco sure. and just uh, I do a lot of things to be able to like get out of my house and not kind of turn into the guy shut in with like a hundred cats. Mm-hmm. And um, that's been really challenging. Mm-hmm. There's been uh, a lot of those types of things, a lot of those, um, I don't know, just sort of disciplines I've created for myself to uh, care for myself, to make sure that um, I do get a good interaction with with people and all of that. And it's just become, uh, super isolating, whether it be, you know, the plexi walls and it just really creates an environment where you can't have that, you know, extra mm-hmm. long conversation with the person that's uh, checking you out at, at mm-hmm. a store. Um, and it's also just really made the desire to be anywhere. I just feel like every time I'm doing it, I'm playing like capture the flag with whatever item I need from target. You mm-hmm. run in, you run out as, mm-hmm. and you don't want to get caught. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, that's just been really challenging because, uh, while I do spend a lot of time alone in general, uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, I've been alone. I just haven't been, uh, very isolated or very lonely. And this has for sure been one of the lonelier mm-hmm. and kind of more isolated seasons that I've experienced.
0: Mm-hmm. I think what's hard about the plexis and the masks and while all of that is good, fine and necessary, it is, it just feels, everything feels so sterile yep. and subhuman for some reason is the word that I keep thinking of. Like we're just made to see
1: faces and be able to connect. And so it's just been very disorienting and weird. Sure. Sure. And then the other thing I think, um, that has brought me kind of a good amount of what I would call anxiety is just, it's not even a matter of the fact that this has lasted for a while or mm-hmm. the fact that it's gonna last for a non-specific amount of time. I think I have a lot of anxiety around like, what are those things that are gonna be here forever? Yeah. What are, you know, is the mask thing gonna be forever? Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of things that- You brought um, up the
0: example yesterday when we were talking of nine eleven. Yeah. that there are yeah. things from nine yeah. eleven We don't think about it now because it's been so totally. long. Totally. But like the world, literally travel. No, you know. I mean
1: before nine eleven, you would have never taken your shoes off in public unless you're a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, and now right. you have. You to went do to jail it. for yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and and there's just or even like security in the airport was just like you nothing. You walk to the gate. Yeah, you met people at the gates, yeah. and you. I mean, you know, you'd like leave your car sort of parked right on the curb because no mm-hmm. one was there or cared, and uh, yeah, and so things have forever changed this many years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately I think that the things that could change, uh, those were more, um, convenience things and safety things. And some of these things while they are, are like, I mean, the mask thing would just, if that's just sort of a staple, mm-hmm. um, the new normal, mm-hmm. uh, then I just feel like, I don't know. I just, it doesn't make me very excited yeah. about what's to come.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to have hope of yeah. like, well, this is going to end and everything's going to go back to normal. The truth is, we don't know. Yeah. And that's just hard to, have 100%. to face that. Well, we're already beginning to here, And again, so we're in Salt Lake and um, our restrictions have loosened because our cases are lower comparatively to so many other places. But we've already begun to be able to have a very small group of people, like 20 people, mm-hmm. come to our live stream and i um, able to meet for counseling in person again. And,
1: and can I just say, wasn't yeah. that like so great?
0: Oh man. It was like, it felt like I even said this to the group that I think we had 21, 22 people in the room on yeah. Sunday
1: could have 50. So we weren't cheating. We just don't
0: have room for it with this 7,000 miles that we have to have between people. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, that's right. Um, I just stepped up to get ready for the live stream is to start. And I was like, I feel like I'm pastoring a mega church this morning. <laughs> right. Like having 22 people in the sure. room was just life changing. Yep. But um, so we're already starting to really having to think through this is at the forefront of our minds. And Mm. we have we have done I think that um, we've done an effective job of staying connected to our people. So we do have a pretty good sense of where people are at, where their struggles are, what's been hard through this. So we're already having to begin to think as we come out of this, like there are going to be some mental health things that we just have to really be prepared to to go through. And our church is not special in that. Every church is going to have to do that. And I think one of the unique values that in this current moment that the Christian church can offer is to like, if we have not been on our game before this, when it comes to mental health, mm-hmm. we have a very unique missional opportunity to like get on the ball with that
1: 100%. because
0: people are struggling mentally and emotionally so much. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a, a lot of challenges for everyone as we ease out of this. So we're just going to talk about these kind of five principles that we're thinking about. And, uh, so you, you lead them through us, lead us through them and and I'll jump in where, where I can. Sure.
1: So number one, um, we've got practicing vulnerability.
0: Yeah, I think, um, we've taught, we, one of the things that we're really thankful for about Ridgeline that we've both observed is that, um, you and I both grew up in the Christian church. So Mm -hmm. we've been in apart led pastored, planted, Uh, our fair number of churches in in our years. And Ridgeline is by far the most vulnerable church I've ever been a part of. Totally. And that is largely because with this small group of people that we started with, my theory on it is um, we all came into this, like everyone that was a part of our team early on, it wasn't like we had this like Mm -hmm. emotionally solid, like we all came in pretty messed up from whatever season of life. We were all coming out of different situations. Yeah. But everybody came in with what I've described as like a pretty significant limp. Sure. And so as a result, we would all get together and have these like horribly sad dinners oh, when we first man. all moved here on Sunday <laughs> they night. were so <laughs> terrible. And everyone would cry the yeah. whole time. Yep. And so as a result of that, every new person who kind of came in, came into this just very vulnerable Like, and not because we all read Brene Brown's book and we were all trying to be like super vulnerable, but just like our wound was so big that it couldn't be hidden. Sure. And so as a result, that did create this very vulnerable culture. And I've done, you've done things, we've done things intentionally to model vulnerability. But what I would say at the beginning is like if we are going to normalize mental health issues, mm-hmm. which I think is what we really do need to do, that it's yeah. not just like the super broken people yeah. who struggle with mental health. Everyone does to some degree yeah. in different ways. Everyone has, you may not have like a, an actual diagnosed disorder, but we all like everything we just talked about that we've struggled with, that's all mental health stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the great challenges in front of all churches and that we are really trying to tackling in ours is how do we just normalize that? Yeah. And the way we do that is by trying to practice vulnerability in our own lives. Yep. So any specific ways that you've seen, like when you think back over the last couple of years, maybe even moments where, um, we've taken a step in that direction that you think, I mean, like the dinners. Sure. While that wasn't intentional, does anything come to mind that you think has been pretty impactful?
1: Um, I think, well, I mean, one, I have a hard time not crying at any given time. Uh, And that's, I wish, I wish, I'm sure that people receive that as vulnerability. I just take after my mom and that, and that we like ugly cry about just about everything on our mind. And so, uh, but I I think even that, like, it's just like, you know, I don't do the like, um, you know, like uh, allergies Mm -hmm. or, you know, anything like that. I just think that, I don't know, I think we're really willing to just like come as we are because we Mm -hmm. had to, I think Mm -hmm. to your point, we had a a limp. We were coming out of a situation where uh, we couldn't be vulnerable and it it was used as a weapon Mm -hmm. if you were. And I think we were just at the place where um, we felt like, uh, so if we're going to do church, um, like that's not gonna matter. Mm-hmm. And so either we were gonna find people who were on board with that mm-hmm. and were okay with the fact that we're all not okay, or I don't know, I guess the church was gonna be me and you and your kids and a couple other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by God's grace, the church that He has given us a passion of attending, mm-hmm. other people come to.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the gifts that God um gives us in suffering, even when it's horrible, like some of the stuff that we've had to walk mm-hmm. through, is that sometimes you're so broken you can't hide it anymore. Sure. And I think that was our case. It wasn't <laughs> that we had like a planning meeting where we were like, all right, so we haven't always done this to the to the best degree. We couldn't do it in the last place. So we are here's how we're gonna we are just like so broken sure that it could not be hidden any longer. Right. And th- I think that that alone is what normalized the fact that this is genuinely a place where it's okay to not be okay. Because yeah. clearly the people leading it are a freaking mess. So, <laughs> uh,
1: so that one guy can't get to the announcement while yeah, crying about right. something. So. so I think
0: now transitioning though to, to other people's churches, yeah. I think if you are not leading the way on vulnerability sure. and you are not talking openly about, like if you're trying to come out of this as like, you 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 have positioned yourself as superman or superwoman sure. through this whole thing and you're only quote unquote thriving through the pandemic Um, that's not true, first of all, because this is hard on anyone or you're not a human. Sure. Um, and you really have to lead the way and, and make it open for people to open up.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think even in the churches that we support through my XP, I get an opportunity to connect with pastors, um, on a regular basis. Uh, it's a couple times a month Mm -hmm. at least, and we've got a number of them. And so I'm every day, usually connecting with other pastors Mm -hmm. and they've been honest, this sucks. Yeah. And I think uh, I think my encouragement, if you're listening or or whatever, is be honest with your people about that. Yeah, it's not going to hurt them; they're not going to be wounded. I mm-hmm. think what we have seen time and time and time again is that that step of courage to be vulnerable. Um, outside of what you might be comfortable always is received with such warmth and mm-hmm. welcome and and a level of growth and commitment from your people because mm-hmm. they just love that you trusted them with that vulnerability. Totally.
0: I feel like the subtext also in what you just said is, is if you're a MyXP church, and you are not vulnerable and honest with your church, that Tyler is going to email your church and tell them
1: <laughs> I how do, your pastor suffered. I do have <laughs> access to all the things. So, so We'll see if any of those guys are listening. You can tell the out. truth or he's going to tell the <laughs> truth, but make no mistake.
0: All right, so that's, that's number yep. one is we need to practice vulnerability.
1: Yep. Number two is uh, plan more margin for counseling.
0: Yeah, I mean I think this hopefully kind of goes without saying, but if people are we know that to a greater degree more people are struggling. Mm-hmm. And so that means that we are going to have to have more counseling, more conversations, yeah. more lunches with people. And I think um if we I, I think part of in all of this, what we're trying to break out of mentally is exactly what you said at the beginning. Like some things are not going to just, like there's not a line that's coming that we're going to cross the finish line of COVID-19 and then it's going to be like it never happened in a few months. That's not, (laughs) that's just not going to happen. There are going to be long-term effects from this. And I think the most significant long-term effects are going to be mental and emotional. Mm -hmm. And so if we think, well, we're just going to be able to go back to, playing golf and I don't actually know any pastors that play golf, but I feel like they used some do. to maybe yeah. some do. Um, and right in my sermon and a lunch here or there, like I think that there is really a season in front of us. If we're going to do this well and care well through this, yeah. that we're going to have to have more margin, um, that we plan to be able to have those meetings.
1: Yeah, no, I think so too. Um, number three, proactively check in.
0: Yeah, I would say, I wonder if you would like attest to this in your own life. I'm not always the best when I'm struggling or suffering at like throwing up a flag so that everybody knows, Mm -hmm. you know, I think I'm more prone. I think people in general are more prone when they're struggling in these ways to isolate. Totally. Would you say that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Until I figure it out. I like to let people know what I had just struggled with.
0: Yeah, Yeah. It's always nice to process like, cause it's still like, you can still label it as vulnerability. It always feels better to process that with people in hindsight. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think most people are like that. And, um, I think that the people who are being honest in their prayer requests or over a conversation with you about what they're going through is great. And I think that it's important to assume that behind those people is a long line of people who are not going to just, disclose that. Sure. That they're not going to, they're not going to initiate the meeting with you. They're not going to initiate the conversation with you. You yeah. need to proactively reach out to them and come up with a system for. So I, I am curious with the churches that you're working yeah. with that have like we don't have like a fully built out localized pastoral team besides you and I here mm-hmm. or an elder board or deacons or anything like sure. that in the churches that you work with, have you seen anyone that that has a, has had any sort of effective system for how they are working maybe as a team or even as an individual pastor sure. to really be intentional about checking in?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that's worked most effectively for both uh, the churches that we support as well as Ridgeline is just making sure that you're very, very accessible. Yeah, and I know, good. I know the point of this is proactively checking yeah. in, but part of proactively checking in is just giving people a venue with which to um with which to like get a hold of you. Mm-hmm. I think that uh we went through a season in time in ministry in which uh the pastor, you know, so once upon a time the number on the church's website was a pastor's home phone number. Mm-hmm. And I think we overcorrected so far to where, you know, pastors had like cryptic email addresses so that yeah. no one could get a hold of them. Yep. And uh and I think it's uh I think it's been coming back but especially coming out of this time to come real hard back mm-hmm. and make sure that people have a way uh, to get a hold of you, a way to um, you know, follow up and a way to schedule a meeting, all of those types of things that um is easy mm-hmm. and accessible. I think that to your point, yes, I, I don't know that everyone's going to um uh, necessarily knock down your door. Mm-hmm. I also think that sometimes people might have that like fleeting interest and, and think, well, how, how can I go about doing yeah. this? And if there's not some sort of mm-hmm. solution or some sort of process to be able to like accomplish that end, yeah. then I genuinely think that, um, it might come and go mm-hmm. and that person just goes further and further into isolation.
0: Yeah. Cause I think people are, I mean, I had a conversation with someone today and one of the things that we talked about was how, easy it is to come up with excuses to not press into these kinds of things with people, whether it be a counselor or a pastor or whatever, like you're just looking for excuses. And so I think if someone does jump on our, your website, for instance, looking for an email or a phone number and they can't find one, I mean, make no mistake. People will be like, well, then this is just like, what's the point? Yeah, this is either isn't supposed to happen. It isn't. I mean, people have a wide range of, crazy reasons why, but it becomes an excuse. And I think it shouldn't be complicated.
1: And I think we have to understand that the courage to have even gone to the website is fleeting Yep, and people have to, like we need to be there to be able to respond when people take that step, when they're like, yeah, okay, I need, I need something. Uh, we have to make sure that there's a response and the ability to do that.
0: Yeah. 100%. So yeah. Proactively check in, figure out what that looks like uh, in your context, but that's something that we really want to work at.
1: Yep. Uh, so number four is prepare to refer.
0: Yes. So as much as we should make margin for more counseling, I think that, um, we also have, um, as pastors, have a multitude of responsibilities mm-hmm. that extend beyond, unless you are like a counseling pastor in your church where that's all you do, sure. which is probably not a ton of people, you've got a lot of responsibilities. So you can't shut down all those other responsibilities, and you should not be working 80 hours a week to get all those meetings in, you have to really know that people who are, you know, there's going to be varying degrees. Some people just need to have a conversation and get a hug because they haven't been hugged in like three months. right? Um, And then there's other people that are going to have more severe and more significant and sizable issues that are going to require ongoing care. And we need to have a plan for where we're going to refer them if we are in churches like ours that are smaller and don't have staff member or someone qualified to be able to walk through that. So I know sometimes I've heard from pastors like, well, I don't even begin to know where I would refer people um, in my city. Here's what I'd say. We're in Salt Lake City. There are literally three people in all of Salt Lake City who are Christians and have a PhD to practice clinical therapy. And if we can find someone in Salt Lake City, Utah, you can find someone in whatever city you're in. <laughs> yeah. So we found uh, the Center for Christian Therapy here in Salt Lake, mm-hmm. and that's where we do all of our referring. Yeah, And uh, it's been a really great relationship, but it's such a, it brings great peace of mind for me to know if I'm sitting in a conversation with someone where it is clear they need more care that I can just refer them
1: to a singular place. Sure. Absolutely. And if you're listening and you have those credentials, move to Salt Lake City. hundred (laughs) percent. That was the subtext in what I was saying. Yep. (laughs) That's good. So yeah, prepare to refer. And then number five, prioritize your own care.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think when I think about this, I I think about like when you're on the airplane and they run the video mm-hmm. now of like, you know, put the mat the, in, in the case where there's no oxygen yeah. or you end up on lost and you have to have those things fall down. You put your mask on yourself and secure your own oxygen before you help anybody else. And the reason behind that is if you pass out, then you're of no use to anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing is true for leaders in ministry. If we are not caring for ourselves... And I, I understand that sometimes that feels selfish, mm-hmm. but it's playing the long game. Like you're playing the short game, and you're playing to lose. If your only bent is, I'm just going to care for everyone around me and give no attention to my own soul. Mm. Um, I think that is a a massive, massive mistake. And the truth is, like you, I've talked to a bunch of pastors through this season, and and pastors have suffered through this as well. Mm. And I've seen some uh, minimal, uh, not a great number, but some studies uh, that have been conducted that reveal like pastors are struggling with more anger uh mm. right now. Yeah. And I think a lot of most pastors, at least in the tribes that we interact with, are men. Yeah. And oftentimes anger is like the mask emotion that men wear when sure. there's an ocean of other things that are happening behind that. Totally. But to me, what it indicates to me is if more pastors are saying that they're struggling with anger, it means that we have a whole host of emotional issues as yeah. a result, as a result of all this that's going on. Sure. So for me, um, I've been in therapy now for the last six, almost seven months. Uh, I also meet with a spiritual director, uh, once a month and those have been super, in addition to just friendship, we've had some super, um like emotionally intense you cry for 2 hours while we talk kind of conversations <laughs> hey, you had started crying I know, too I know um but I just I think now now is that this kind of goes back to where we started this yep. is the primary way that we can practice vulnerability is not just to say I've been struggling but to actually have the relationships necessary in place to be able to talk through this
1: sure and can you, uh, you use a term, uh, you just let it roll off your tongue as uh-huh. though everyone would understand. Yeah. And I still don't feel like I fully understand. So help us understand what the spiritual director is. We've got the, mm. you've been, you've been in therapy for seven months and mm-hmm. then you just kind of casually said that. What is mm-hmm.
0: that? Yeah. For me, it's been a, it's been a, uh, I don't, I don't always know exactly how to, uh, describe the difference. I would say it is more intentionally uh soul oriented okay than what my therapy is. Like my I intentionally sought out a clinical psychologist to work through like family of origin stuff, some emotional things that I was going through sure. that are very much spiritual in nature and connected to that. Yeah. But they are they're not exclusively that. Sure. So I didn't want to just talk to like a biblical counselor about those things. Sure. I would say that the spiritual director his primary thing has been to listen to me mm. and ask good reflective questions, and he's more intentional about it being spiritual direction and not just psychological in nature. Sure. And it's been helpful for me to have both of those things. Okay. And I think some people prefer one over the other, Yeah. and I would say that... Or maybe
1: a hybrid, but for Yeah, you, a hybrid. Of, yeah. But for
0: me, it's been helpful. I really like, not not to in any way bag on all biblical counseling or anything like that, but I what I did not need was, I didn't need someone to listen to me talk about what I was going through, and then and and I understand that this is a horrible uh, representation of all biblical counseling, but what I didn't need was someone to give me a Bible verse Mm -hmm. and tell me to like meditate and pray on that. Cause I I do a lot of that in my own life and for my vocation. Sure. I really had some things that needed to be untangled that I needed a therapist to help me untangle. Sure. And then on the other end, um, I don't want to neglect my soul in any way Mm -hmm. and, I'm working with a spiritual director that, I mean, I didn't like, we haven't gone through a long list of where, where each of us is at on our theological convictions, but I know that we have some very different theological convictions on some things, but he's been really good at helping me through, um, a handful of issues and it has been a really great complimentary relationship between he and my therapist, even though they don't know one another at Mm -hmm. all. For me, it's been a, they've been a tremendous compliment. To one awesome. another. Very so, cool. Yeah. And I found him. I didn't know anybody. His name is Ryan Kuja. He's in Michigan. I found him. I, I had asked someone that I saw talking about spiritual direction online for okay. a recommendation that they were aware of. There are no spiritual directors in Utah because we live in hell and there's <laughs> <laughs> apparently nothing mm. spiritual besides like 10 churches. Um, so I had to find someone out, outside the state, but it's been a really helpful relationship. Good. So anyways, um, we talked a little bit about... We're, we're going to now highlight a, a new segment uh-huh. on from the field. Which I, li- I, I like, like You segment. like this one, right? Mm-hmm. It's yours. So it's Tyler's favorite tools. Yeah. So uh, in thinking about um, a lot of the... We talked a lot about pastoral care and counseling. Yep. And I think if you're uh, listening to this like me and you don't have like a full-time assistant that's helping with all that scheduling stuff, yeah. it could be very overwhelming to think about how to keep all that straight. Yep. So talk about the primary... Because we don't have... Um, any sort of administrative support here that does scheduling for us. We each do our own. And so talk a little bit about the primary tool that we use for that
1: yeah absolutely uh, so the tool we use that I would recommend just because I'm familiar with it is called acuity uh, it's also so Squarespace it was a kind of a partner of theirs and then they purchased that and so mm-hmm. it's also Squarespace scheduling I think that the brand will be totally redone at some point it might be hard to come across the word acuity mm-hmm. uh, but it's one of those tools where you give people a link it uh, connects with your calendar they can see your availability they can choose the time that works best for them and schedule a meeting mm-hmm. and I think um, we have talked a lot about the fact that um, we're not here to uh, really Uh, promote the fact that we should all view coronavirus as such a blessing Mm -hmm. and that we should just be so thankful that we're all going through this. Mm -hmm. However, we've continued to talk about, but there is some opportunity in this season. And one of the pieces of opportunity I think it has done is very, very deeply normalize that digital interaction. I think once upon a time, uh, just even a few months ago, if someone in your church wanted to meet with you and you wanted them to like Follow this link Uh, that might be pretty cold, it might be seen as pretty standoffish. Mm -hmm. And now it's really helpful, it's something that people can access at any time. And so, I think uh, I'm seeing a lot of uh, churches, a lot of pastors introduce this because a lot of people don't have you know someone to help manage their calendar Mm -hmm. and they're doing it on their own and trying to break up these snippets of time and also support their family at home Mm -hmm. and all of that. And so, it's a really it can be very customized, Mm -hmm. Um, largely, they're pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the acuity tool, if you were a Squarespace customer back in the day, it was free to add on. So oh. I think we're grandfathered into that. We don't pay anything for it. But I think for $15, $20 a month, I know there's one called Calendee. There's one, I mean, if you mm-hmm. Google just like calendar uh, appointment tools or something like that, you'd probably get like a huge host of them. Uh, like I said, I like acuity mainly because (laughs) I'm grandfathered in and it's totally free. Right. Um, but But there's the
0: the interface looks good. It is. I think the most important thing is that it's easy for people Totally. and I've never had in, I mean, I've been using it for a while now. I've never had a single person have a scheduling issue with it where they like couldn't figure it out.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, you put your availability on there and I think more than anything uh, to your point, we have been using it for a while. I think that there are a lot more pastors looking to figure out how they can become more available to people because of this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think that we have continued from day one of Ridgeline to get the feedback that they just love that their pastor is accessible. And the true thing is even through this season, you've had to say on Sunday services, please schedule with me. I miss you because I think a pastor's concern or hesitancy to some one of these tools is that they're going to be booked from sunup to sundown every day. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, you get the ability to like put in your own availability and block it and, yep. and all of those kind of things. And number two, sometimes what people want to know is that they can get a hold of you if they need to. That's right. And in general, being someone, you know, uh, my XP totally runs with that kind of tool. Mm-hmm. The pastors schedule with me that way. But I love when I get an email from someone, I just got an opportunity uh, to have my first interaction with the church lawyers. Uh, great uh, company, super excited to begin working with them. Uh, but even yesterday I got an email that said, you know, I had gone to their website and filled out the form. And then I got an email that said, we'd love to meet with you, click this link and pick a time. And what was awesome was that I was able to pick a time uh, first thing the next day because mm-hmm. it was open and yeah. it worked for me. And so if we were going to try to compare notes on calendars, it would probably been a week or two out. Uh, but I just think it's uh, immediacy is great. It's mm-hmm. user, uh, uh friendliness is great. It you know, it looks good. So mm-hmm. yes, by all means I think it's a, a, a really wise investment because if you think about it in terms of having to pay someone to manage a calendar oh, yeah. versus fifteen dollars a month, right. uh there's just no contest. No. And there is nothing
0: worse than like 47 emails back and forth oh, the human trying to schedule. I can't handle it. Oh, it's just the <laughs> absolute worst. And I
1: think another tool just real quick. Um, so if you are trying to schedule a team or like a meeting with multiple people, uh, there's a free tool called doodle doodle.com. I don't know why it's called doodle mm-hmm. and I'm sure any artist or anything like that's real irritated that that domain is owned. Yeah, for real. Uh, but doodle.com gives you the ability to choose like multiple times and then send it out to everyone who wants to be in that meeting And they get to like vote on the times that work best for them. And then as the admin, you get to see, oh, wow. So of the six times I gave, there's one time that works for all five people. Or there's one time that works for four of us. And that person just has no availability that matches. And so I think that's another really helpful tool that will save a ton of emails back and forth. That's good.
0: Um, uh, Just in closing, I'm a little disappointed because I don't, you didn't, you didn't draw any attention to the fact that I alliterated all of our points today. They all start with a P.
1: Is that alliterate? Yeah. If they all start with the same letter? Yeah. Is that like something to point out or celebrate?
0: Well, I i mean, it could have been. I'm being vulnerable, saying that that would have been nice if you at least
1: acknowledged it, and am, you didn't even... You didn't am even I being vulnerable by saying that's so lame? <laughs> or am I just being... Never mind. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs>
0: Anyways, hopefully someone listening, there's pastors listening. I guarantee there's one or two that appreciate that they all started with P.
1: I think it would be awesome if they would have rhymed.
0: Okay. Well, I don't have that much time. (laughs) That would have taken so long with five points. (laughs) Anyways, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Uh, Again, if you enjoyed it, I just want to ask three simple things of you. First, would you subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, or Spotify, if you could leave us a quick review wherever you listen, and then third, help us spread the word on social media, that would be a great, great help to us. If you'd like more information about our ministries, you can visit teleo.church and myxp.church. And if you want to connect with Tyler and I, you can find me on Instagram at, at ryanhugley That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y.
1: And you can find me at at Tyler Dravitz. That's at T-Y-L-E-R-D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. We'll be back next week with a new episode. And until then, thanks for listening and have a great week.